Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You know, climate change is here, regardless of what the Supreme Court says, regardless of what liberals say, regardless of what conservatives say. Uh, Climate change is not, um, you know, going to respond to politics. It's going to respond to actual things that human beings do. That's Jeffrey Tubin, the chief legal analyst over there at CNN. Now, I ask you a question. If the Supreme Court engages a ruling about the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, and what they can and can't do, is that the same as the Supreme Court somehow having some level of decision or or engaging a conversation about whether or not they like what's being done or don't? Aren't we better off with the Supreme Court that doesn't engage whether they like what's happening or not, but rather only engage in the constitutional question of what's happening? Aren't we better off when that's the case? It seems to me that we're only better off when the Supreme Court is not engaged in this idea. So why would the chief legal analyst... Why would the chief legal analyst for CNN be engaged in a conversation that says climate change is here whether you like it or not? Because in the end, what matters is uh, the, the ideology and not even the process. When Elena Kagan, Supreme Court Justice, makes this statement... The court appoints itself instead of Congress or the expert agency, the decision maker on climate policy. I cannot think of many things more frightening. That is a cravenly political statement from a Supreme Court justice that doesn't discuss what the case is. And while the Supreme Court clearly has stated that the agency class has been taken too far and been able to do too much that isn't within its scope and they also avoided some really fascinating conversations about precedent they handed joe biden a big victory on immigration policy which i would have told you was probably going to go this way because the president gets to decide immigration policy i said it about trump i'll say it about biden even if i don't like the policy tony katz tony katz today guys so good to be with you william jacobson joins us right now cornell law professor the mind behind legal insurrection to break down these two final cases both of them authored by the chief justice uh john roberts and let's start with this epa case because while it's being taken in all its political circles there really is something i think valuable to the rights being, if you will, returned to the people. Tell us about this case. Right. This is the case in which the EPA essentially took on itself the ability to regulate uh, coal emissions and coal power plants and all sorts of carbon emissions. And where they were heading was essentially remaking the entire uh, economy under uh, what I think we would commonly refer to as a Green New Deal sort of policy. You know, zero carbon uh, carbon emissions. I mean, they may not have used that term, but essentially the EPA took on itself to write a national policy on the use of energy. 
And that's something that Congress normally would do. And what the uh, Supreme Court said is that the EPA did not have the authority from Congress to undertake such major decisions and such major issues. And that's really the question. And that was it. And they said that this is of such import for the economy. This is legislative action and only the Congress can do it. So the Supreme Court did not say that Congress cannot pass climate change laws. It said, if you're going to do it, then the Congress needs to do it, not an agency bureaucrat. And that was really the, the entirety of it. I was also shocked, as you were, with Kagan's uh, dissent there, which was basically saying, you're going to destroy the earth, justices. I mean, she didn't use that exact phrase, but that was basically it. It was actually kind of shocking that why are you standing in the way of these policies? And that's the whole problem. I mean, that's the whole problem with the liberal justices. It's a policy oriented. What's the end result you want? And Kagan and the other dissenters want these regulations, want these sort of policies. Well, that doesn't that that issue, whether they're good policies or bad, was not before the court. And that's why I, I found her dissent shocking also, as you did. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you picked up on it as well. It means I've been doing my homework and, and engaging things uh, properly. But if we take this a little bit wider than just this case, West Virginia versus EPA, and, and, and go into more of not necessarily what the EPA is doing in trying to control things and really run an economy based on their uh, desires versus Congress, Congress, your representatives engaging in a vote, isn't this much more conversation about the agency class in and of itself that Congress has kind of doled out its responsibility to the agency class and this this uh case the 6-3 decision kind of brings it back and says sorry congress you got to do your job here well i think that's right and this has been a, a fairly consistent theme from the supreme court that you know there are different entity different parts of the government have different rights and responsibilities And just because you're in an agency doesn't mean you get to act as a super legislator. And just because you're a judge doesn't mean you get to act as a super legislator. And the legislature, the Congress, has certain powers and has certain roles. And you can't just usurp them because you want an end result. And I think that's really, you know, the takeaway here is that they basically it's really who gets to decide is the issue. It's not a real analogy. It's not a strict analogy. But essentially, in the abortion case, the question was, who gets to decide? And in that case, they said that it's up to you know the state legislators to decide what the law will be on abortion. It's not up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now let's uh, step out of this and step into this decision uh, regarding the remain in Mexico uh, policy. Uh, this is uh, the... Um, court basically handing the biden administration a victory it allows an end to remain in mexico but as as i saw it, this 5-4 uh, decision you had roberts and kavanaugh siding with briar with with uh kagan and sotomayor this is about the idea that the president gets to decide immigration policy 
no matter what. So what were the particulars in this case, and should anybody be surprised by the result? Well, you should be surprised because it strikes me as inconsistent with the Supreme Court's DACA decision, you know, the uh, where they Obama essentially gave a quasi amnesty to, you know, certain uh, minors who came to the country, have lived here a certain period of time, et cetera. And when the Trump administration tried to revoke it because it was just a memo by Obama, it wasn't even a regulation. Uh, the Supreme Court wouldn't let uh, Trump do that. So why can Trump not terminate DACA, but Biden can terminate remain in Mexico? So I, I, I'm not really seeing the consistency there from the Supreme Court. I, I think, you know, they were very similar circumstances. In each case, the argument was that the chief executive has uh, in some ways the broadest power you know, that a chief executive has when it comes to immigration. That was in the travel cases. That was the argument, too. But the lower courts didn't really want to accept that. Uh, and here the argument was that the president, you know, has control over who gets to cross the border as long as it complies with the law. And it was not clearly in violation of the law because returning people to their home country or to a neighbor contiguous country was permissive under the statute, not mandatory. And that was what it turned on. But I don't understand how DACA survives, but remain in Mexico doesn't, because in each case, it was a chief executive trying to terminate a prior immigration policy of the prior chief executive, the prior president. So I, I don't see it consistent at all. And I didn't necessarily think I mean, I think Trump should have been able to terminate it legally. And I think Biden should have been able to terminate Remain in Mexico. But let's have some consistency here. Now, that, now on that, I think you make a, a fantastic point because uh, I would be the first person to say that uh, the, the president... The president controls immigration uh, and and should have uh, th this right. This entire uh, term, we've seen interesting moves from you know where where Gorsuch is, where Kavanaugh is, and 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 what kind of of decisions they they come down with, and where they they really do move, if you will, amongst that rest that left right axis. Um, is there is there a takeaway you have about the kind of jurist Kavanaugh or, or Gorsuch or John Roberts is after this? I mean, I think we kind of know John Roberts uh, and certainly uh, seems to be more a center left cat. That's my view of it for sure. Uh, do you have a take on where Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh are after this term? I really haven't done a full sweep of of analysis of all their decision, but I will say one thing that's very interesting, and it's not new this term, is that the so-called conservative justices, formerly five, now six, you get, you get defectors. Depending on the case, you get one or two defectors. On the liberal side, you, you almost never get that in a major case. You might get it in some case that, you know, is not politically hot or is not considered, you know, politically important. But in the, the political cases, you will get some of the conservative justices essentially switching side. And I think Remain in Mexico is a perfect example. Two of the six conservatives switched sides. And uh, you don't get that on the other side. I and mean, that's one of the things year after year after year, I think is a big takeaway, how united a block the uh, liberals have been on the Supreme Court. 
you know, it used to be four when uh, Ginsburg was there. Now it's down to three. Uh, but they're they're united on the big social issues, the big issues that dominate the newspapers. The liberal bloc, you rarely, if ever, will get somebody defecting. So that's my big takeaway is that what a difference six, three versus five, four makes, because we probably would not have gotten the abortion decision that came down had it been five, four, because Roberts did, clearly did not want to overrule Roe v. Wade. So uh, I think that's my big takeaway is how consequential Trump getting to put three justices on the Supreme Court is turning out to be. I, I, I we have long discussed this here, and and I have often made the the, the statement, although uh, it, it might seem crass to some within the legal world, uh, that for Sonia Sotomayor she doesn't adjudicate, she votes, and and there's a, there's a difference. And when I hear you talk about how they they go in this in this block, it it it, it does give one pause that our court is not acting as a court but acting as an instrument of social change which of course isn't its uh, objective that's not what we should want uh, from 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 a court was there anything that you did see from uh the the progressive justices uh, Breyer, who is now of course retiring but we'll say kagan and uh and sotomayor any decisions made where you're like hmm that's interesting i guess they do sometimes see their way uh clear or was there nothing this uh term that that put that thought into your head well, there's nothing that I saw that put that thought into my head. Uh, you know, uh, Sotomayor, I'm actually in, in a reverse sort of way, liking more and more. I mean, she is what she is, and she's powerful, and she's articulate about what she does, and she writes a lot. And so, you know, she is really, I think, the heir to Ginsburg. You know, uh, she will now be the big dissenting voice. And I'm glad she's the dissenting voice, not writing majority opinions. But I think that's one big takeaway I have is how uh, Kagan is almost a, a sidekick now to Sotomayor. Uh, and Sotomayor is the, the voice of the dissent on the Supreme Court. Before I let you go, talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com, it got noticed uh, that... Um, in this conversation uh, from, from the court uh, about the EPA, this 6-3 ruling, there was no discussion of Chevron, which is agency deference, right? The agency makes a rule and we just go along with it. They treated this case as what they refer to as a major questions case. Is there something to take from that? Did the Supreme Court just signal to America what their view is of agencies, whether or not they want to actually take this up, they see a problem here, they want to actually engage a restoration of uh, congressional control and authority and oversight so the people are actually represented, or is that just a lot of people reading into something on the super quick? You know, the Chevron doctrine is a big thing with law professors and legal comment. But I, I think, you know, Supreme Court said the agency didn't have the power to do this. It didn't need to get into issues of deference and things like that because you, you didn't have the power to do it. So I think they avoided that question. And I think that, you know, is reflective of John Roberts not wanting to reach issues that he thinks don't need to be reached to 
to get to a decision, just like he did not want Roe v. Wade to be addressed in the in the abortion case. So uh, I, I wouldn't read that much into it other than it clearly signals that the Supreme Court is not going to let agencies run wild and hopefully will be a cautionary tale uh, and will itself you know, curtail people knowing that they'll be subject. And I think it will embolden district courts and courts of appeal to more carefully scrutinize the authority of agencies to take major actions that are essentially are the equivalent of legislation. That scrutiny is something I look forward to. Uh, William Jacobson, a Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. Have a wonderful uh, Independence Day to you. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.